Good evening. It is a pleasure to stand before you this evening. Uh, we have many that are visiting with us. I want, want to welcome you here with us this evening. I want you to know that you are honored guests. You are welcome to worship here with us at Oak Mountain each and every opportunity that you may have. Uh, as Jacob mentioned, we are in bringing our lecture series almost to a close. I believe Brother Chuck Wood is to go in two weeks after our meeting and we'll be done. Uh, this is something that we planned back in the spring of 2020 and now we are getting to do it. Never give me a year and a half to work on a sermon. I preached this, uh, what we'll speak on tonight, I preached this, I, as many of you know, I preached the Pleasant Grove Congregation on Sunday mornings. I preached this over three Sundays. So I hope you packed a lunch. No, we will try to, try to get through in, a, in an acceptable amount of time. But what we're gonna talk about this evening I think is very important to us. It's very important to us as Christians. It's something that we are commanded to do. And it's something I think that we can all do better. I want to tell you a story of a young man who had just become a Christian. It was their first Wednesday evening singing. And he decided that he would lead his first song. He gets up, he leads the song, nervous, doesn't do a good job. After the service is over, a, an older Christian comes up to him and says, I don't think you need to lead singing anymore. And to this day, I don't know that that man has led singing. I'll tell you another story. A young man who decides to speak for the first time, and I will withhold some names to protect the guilty in this, but I will mention one name that most of you will know. But he gets up, he's prepared his sermon, he's even thinking about becoming a gospel preacher. He gets up, he preaches his lesson, and as is customary, the song leader oftentimes closes the service. And he says, and this was said publicly, we appreciate your effort, but they told Herbert Alexander he would not make a preacher either. That young man has gone on to be a lifelong gospel preacher. And in both of these instances, these are things and probably which not ought to be said, which really kind of tear down our brothers and sisters in Christ. This evening, we are going to talk about building up one another. I'll have most of the passages on the overhead this evening for time's sake. But in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. In Romans chapter 14 and verse 19, it says, that, So then we pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. Let me ask you this question. Are we building up one another? If not, we better be. And if you are, are you doing it more and more? Do we pursue these things? Do we pursue peace? Do we pursue to build up one another? Pursue means you go after it. Do we actually take advantage of those opportunities to build up one another? If not, we should be. The passage that was assigned as, as we were going through this a year and a half ago was this Romans 14, 19. And we'll use a little bit of that. There's a lot going on in Romans chapter 14. And for time's sake, we're not going to dig into the background going into that. 
I'll also say that Brother Gary in his, his, his lecture used a lot of passages. And others have used a lot of passages. And they've said, we, we don't need to use these same passages. Have you ever read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? They say a lot of the same things, don't they? So we're going to go over some things in which we have discussed previously that go in together. And that's the purpose of these lectures, that we tie things in. And I'm sure Brother Chuck will tie some of these things in when he does the last one in a couple of weeks. Well, what does it mean? In Strong's Dictionary, uh, number 3618, the word to build up means okiodomeo, it's a verb. It means to be a house builder, to construct, to be a builder, a building, to confirm, to edify, to embolden. It occurs 39 times in the New Testament. Talks about house building in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Builds a house on a rock. Speaks of the family or the household in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. It also refers to the building of the body. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 12. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 16. The edifying of the body, the growth of the body, edifying itself. Along with what does it mean? It implies the building of a house. It's an intentional activity. It follows a plan. In 1 Peter chapter, uh, 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, it says we are living stones built up as a spiritual house for the holy priesthood. It's for a purpose, a dwelling place, a temple. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 16. We are the temple of God and the Spirit of God dwells in you. It takes many materials and tasks in this relationship for one structure. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. God placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as He desired. You see, it was God's plan. It's a testament to the builder. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10, it talks about the manifold wisdom of God. In Luke chapter 14 and verse 29, he laid the foundation. You see, building up one another is part of God's plan. Part of being a member of the Lord's church. And it's something that we must do. In Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19, it says, Now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fit together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together for a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. We are fellow citizens together, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and of Christ himself, the chief cornerstone. How should we treat each other?
We should be building up one another, working together, part of the same building, the same house. But oftentimes, brothers and sisters, I don't know that that's the case. We can all think of congregations where there's, there's cliques, there's backbody, they're talking about one another, tearing each other down. That's not the design. Well, how do we build up? Quickly, we're going to look at a few things here. We build up in knowledge and teaching of the Word, as it says in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32. There are so many ways for us to build up. There's going to be just a few that we dig down in detail tonight. I'm going to list a few more up here. It says, so now, brethren, I command you to God and to the Word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. We're to exhort, we're to comfort. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. We're to bear each other's burdens in Romans chapter 15 and verse 2. Let each one of us please his neighbor for his good, leading to edification. What about peace in Acts chapter 9 and verse 31? Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. Graceful speech in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. And then Jude, chapter, or Jude verse 20, talking about prayer. But you, beloved, build yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You see, there are so many ways to build each other up. We don't have the time tonight to dig into all of them, but we are going to dig a little bit deeper into a few of those. And there are other ways that are listed here, and we'll list some more here in just a few moments. But first, we need to look at everyone needs building up. Everyone. I need it. Bob needs it. Alan needs it. Simon needs it. Johnson, Cooper, Luke, the, the, the older, the younger, it doesn't matter. All of us need building up. Many of you know my uh, Uncle Lionel Plyler. He, uh, he's about 6'3", big personality. He's loud. He is Kevin Clark loud. <laughs> he was doing a, a, a singing at the Hansville congregation. This has been some years back. And he was uh, leading the congregation in, in a, it was a theme that he, he actually led all the songs. And after it was over, he stayed for the services. And then he went down to the Summerton congregation where he attended worship service. Well, there happened to be a lady there that was at the singing. And he wanted to say, it's, it sure is encouraging to see you here. It was, an encouraging, it was encouraging to, to, to see you at the singing. Thank you. And she said, I didn't go for you. And he said, I know, but it's encouraging to me to see you there. You see, even as big and as loud as he is, we all need encouragement. 
It was encouraging to him to see that even though she was at the singing and at the service, she made time to go to another worship service when she didn't have to. But we all need encouraging. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. Yes, we've looked at this passage before, but are we doing it? Acts chapter 14, beginning in verse 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Strengthening who? The disciples. Exhorting them to continue in the faith. Do we do that to each other? Do we encourage each other to stay strong? In today's society, how easy is it to be a discourager? All you have to do is turn on the television, look at social media, turn on the radio, and there's many discouraging things going on in our lives. We need to be encouraging each other when there's a lot of discouragement going on around us. In Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19, it says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest of the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he has consecrated for us, through the veil that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for, who promised is, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. More and more. Are we exhorting one another? Even Jesus Christ himself needed building up. Have you ever thought about that? Jesus himself needed building up. In Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 36, it says, Then Jesus came with him to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee. And he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. Then, when, then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. He went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh, Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will, but, but as you will. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And said to Peter, What? Could you not watch with me one hour? 
Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, a second time he went away and prayed, saying, Oh, my father, if this cup cannot pass away from me unless I drink, your will be done. And he came and he found them asleep again, for their eyes were heavy. So he left them, went away, and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then he came to his disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Behold, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of sinners. Jesus needed his apostles. And they fell asleep on him. In Hebrews chapter 5, talking about this, this here in the garden, it says, So also Christ did not glorify himself to become high priest, but it was also he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. He also says in another place, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up the prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and was and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. Do we see what Christ's state was here? With vehement cries and tears, and yet his disciples turned their backs on him when they needed him the most. When he needed the most encouragement, they fell asleep. Jesus Christ himself, if Christ needs it, everyone needs it. Everyone needs building up. Everyone needs encouraging. Let's get a little bit more detail. Well, how are some ways that we can build up one another? We can build up one another with words, whether they're spoken, written, cards, text, emails, etc. And I will say before we get into this, sometimes it's not what you say, but how you say it. My mom used to tell us that all the time. There was an old lady. She couldn't read. She went through the third grade, wasn't able to read. Her son graduates high school and goes off to college. About two weeks later, she gets a letter in the mail. Well, she can't read it. She takes the letter over to her neighbor, who is a retired drill sergeant from the military. She opens it up, or he opens it up and reads it, and he says, Mom, send me some money. I want to come home. She says, he better not talk to me that way. I won't send him anything. Well, a few days go by, and she's got... She sees a young man out here mowing his grass, or another neighbor, and she takes it up, will you read this to me again? He says, Mom, send me some money, I wanna come home. Well, his, his tone's a little bit better. I'll think about it. A few more days go by. There's an old lady that lives across the street. She called her out on the front porch. And she takes that letter over to, to her and she says, will you read this for me? She says, sure. She opens it up and she reads, Mom, send me some money. I want to come home. She said, I'll give him every dime I've got. 
You see, oftentimes it's not what we say, but how we say it. Sometimes we can have the best intentions, but say it in a way that can offend someone, that can be discouraging. So we need to think before we speak. In Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 25, anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Isn't that so simple? But yet do we do it? Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 24, pleasant words are like honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. I know Brother Wes mentioned Brother Paul Studemeyer. I'm not the only one. He's not the only one. Many of us get texts from him. And so oftentimes when I get it, it is at the most opportune time when I need it the most. It causes me to stop, to pause, to think on godly things. It doesn't cost you a dime to send a text. Sometimes it takes you 30 seconds. But do we do it? Something so simple, yet we overlook it. We take so many things for granted. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 11. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Let me tell you another story. There was a young man who was in his 20s attending worship service and he started not attending as he ought. Started becoming hung up in some things of the world. It was a small town in which they lived. And there was a man from the congregation. This man never led singing. He never led a prayer. He never taught class. He never spoke, never spoke publicly. But he was there at services. When he would see this young man, he would just simply say, we miss you at worship services. And this young man said that he would think about it for the rest of the day. And they would bump into each other throughout the, the, the small community, and he would say it each time, we miss you at services. Come back. That young man is now a faithful gospel preacher. Simply because somebody said, we miss you at services. Do we do things like that for others? Do we know how powerful the words, whether it's a card, a text, an email, do we know how powerful they are? Sometimes building up one another is saying what needs to be said in order to make them be the Christian that they ought to be. Sometimes it's not always rainbows and unicorns. Sometimes those words may be difficult to say. But in order to build somebody up, sometimes they need to hear what needs to be fixed. Again, along the same lines, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 20, 29. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. 
First Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 18, Therefore comfort one another with these words. Be a builder, be an edifier, be a Barnabas. <clears throat> Many of you know that my mom has been dealing with breast cancer this year. She's had to go through a double mastectomy. She's had to go through numerous chemo treatments. She said there is nothing greater sitting with chemo going into your veins and to get a text from a brother or sister in Christ, how encouraging it is when you're at a, such a low point. We need to be there for one another. You know, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36, it's not on the overhead, but we will give an account for every careless word that we say on the day of judgment. We need to be careful with what we say. We need to be careful with how we say it. Whether written, whether spoken, whether cards, text, emails, whatever the case may be. I want to share something with you. This is a picture of my parents' living room. As I just told you that my mom has been dealing with, with chemo. She's doing much better. She's finished her treatments now. But if you see right here, all these are cards. All of them. And about three or four weeks ago, she had well over 150 cards. 99% of those from members of the church. She had cards from members of the church that she doesn't even know that heard through another member that she was receiving treatment and having surgery. She's gotten cards as far as Arizona and as far north as Wisconsin. You see the balloons there. Not only is this a benefit to her, it benefits the people that send it as well, but it's a benefit to my family. Even Beckett, at three years old, knows that when he walks in Nani's house, Nani has a lot of cards. And we may think, well, that's, she has a lot of cards, but that means something to him, even at three. You see, building up is good for both the giver and the receiver. Sometimes we need to let people give. We need to let people build up. Because it's good for them. Sometimes them giving to you is better for them than it is for you. Because they feel like they're doing something good. Here's another picture of a few things. And this picture right here, it's probably hard to see, it's blown out a little bit, but that's a card from a congregation. It has about 30 signatures on it. It's a congregation she's never attended. This here is a, a bowl. It's got uh, about 50 signatures on it. Food, of course. She has several quilts. She's gotten flowers. This here is a custom-made, homemade bag to carry her drains in that was made by a sister in Christ. This here is another pot with many names on it. The, I could go on and on with the things in which she received. Sometimes it's just something small. 
To send a card in the mail cost us, what, $1.25 to buy the card and to put a stamp on it and send it? How much does that person get out of it? Probably a lot more than $1.25. You've probably got $1.25 stuck in the cup holder in your car. How hard is it to, to run by and get somebody a number one Chick-fil-A meal and just drop it off at their house? That'd make me smile, wouldn't it? You? Of course, you know, you look at me and you know I like to eat, right? What is it, $6.50 or so? My mom had a lady bring her a card and a small can of orange juice with a bow on it. It was an older lady. But it made her smile because that's what that lady could do. And then about two days went by and mom was feeling bad and she went to open the refrigerator to get something to eat or drink. And she saw that orange juice sitting there. Made her feel better in many ways. So often it's the little things, brothers and sisters, that build each other up. Building up one another with words, talking about prayer and singing. This should be a given. Building up one another, talking, encouraging one another with prayer and with singing. How comforting is it for someone to say, I'm praying for you. Nothing has to be wrong. But if somebody says, Landon, I'm praying for you, I said, that's great. Because what better hands to put it in than God Almighty? They don't have to be sick or in the hospital for us to pray for them. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 25. Brethren, pray for us. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18. Pray always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end and with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 19, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. It's encouraging to hear someone sing. It makes you feel better when you sing. When you're not feeling well, sing and be happy. If you're not feeling well, I challenge you sometime to walk around, lay in bed, and sing a few hymns and see how you feel. You may drive past me going down the road and you may see me singing. Very possible. But I'm having a good time doing it. You ever been to services not feeling well and then came in and, and the song service starts and then by the end of services you feel better? We all have probably done that at some point. Well, how powerful is, we know how powerful prayer is, but about singing. There are people that sit and never sing. I don't know why. I don't understand that. How powerful is it? I heard Brother R.J. Stevens tell the story of a, of a man who lived in the, in the Florida area. He was in the military. He invited another one of his um, 
people in the military to go with him to services. So they go to services. They get through with services. They're driving back. And he said, well, what'd you think? He said, I didn't get anything out of the sermon, but I sure enjoyed that singing. Well, they go back the next week. What'd you get out of services? The singing was really good. I didn't get anything out of the sermon. Well, the next week comes by and this, this man had to go out of town. But the man he invited went on to services by himself. He asked him the next week, he said, how was it? He said, well, I got a little bit out of the sermon, but boy, that singing was good. And he kept going back because of the singing. He kept getting a little bit more and more and more out of the sermons. Brothers and sisters, that man is an elder in a congregation in Florida now. That is how powerful singing is. You see, and all this goes back to what we talked about at the beginning. This is God's plan. This is God's design. We've just got to follow it. With hospitality, I told Brother Chuck after our class on Wednesday night, I said, I'm going to talk about that a little bit on Sunday evening. This is something that's extremely important. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 9, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. You see, in this passage here, this is so much more than we think about just having somebody casually over to your home and having dinner with them. What was going on at this time, as Brother Chuck said, the places were not where Christians should be. They were places of entertainment. Oftentimes it was Christians who you did not know traveling from place to place. It was costly to these Christians. It was inconvenient to these Christians. And it was offered as a gift of love. Romans chapter 12 and verse 13, distributing the need to the needs of the saints given to hospitality. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Do good to everybody, but especially those brothers and sisters in Christ. But do we do it? Do we do it as we ought? Do we do it as God's Word sets forth? I think every one of us in here can do a better job. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 2, do not, neglect, do not neglect hospitality to strangers. For by this some have entertained angels unaware. Well, another way we build each other up is with teaching. In Titus chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine. The older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith and love and patience. The older women likewise, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanders, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blessed Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, 
in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that the one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Number one, teaching each other here is commanded. The older women are to teach the younger women. The older men are to teach the younger men. I don't think we allow this to happen enough. Both receive benefits from this. The older women, through the study, oftentimes I have spoken with, with older people that feel like they're just they're, they're, they're older, they're feeble, maybe their voice is not as strong, they can't stand as well. But yet when they can work with these younger people, it's encouraging to them. It builds them up. But in turn, what are you doing? You're building up the younger. That is part of God's plan. But do we make an effort to make this happen? I don't think we do it enough. There's a lot going on in this passage here. There's a lot of teaching going on, and they're not going to get it from anywhere else but the church. Again, talking about building up one another with teaching, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 15. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, for whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Every joint supplies, every part does its share. Remember God's plan all the way back in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18? Do we do our part? Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 23. It says, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you deeply see the day approaching. Now, brothers and sisters, there is a time for Facebook Live, and there is a time for YouTube Live, and there's a time for podcasts. I know when I had COVID and I was at home, it was a benefit to me, but it is not a substitute for being in attendance with the brethren. I have heard twice in the last week from brothers and sisters in Christ that Christians that approve of online worship instead of in-person in worship. How can we do Hebrews chapter 10 verses 23 through 25 on Facebook and YouTube? We can't. We can't. That is not a substitute for being here. I want to make that very clear because we are in a day and age when this is acceptable. And we cannot comply with Hebrews chapter 10. We also, brothers and sisters, need to build up one another with love. Hebrews chapter 10, again in verses 24 and 25, we just, we just read that. But what does it say in verse 24? Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. We need to do everything with love. We need to speak 
with love. We need to sing, pray, build up with love. We need to correct with love. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 14, let all that you do be done with love. John chapter 15 and verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Think of the love of Christ. He did it all out of love. Love for us. Going back to Hebrews chapter 10, it says, let us consider one another. We need to think about some things when we speak to others. We need to consider them as humans. I have heard brothers and sisters in Christ talk to each other like dogs. That's unacceptable. First of all, we need to consider each other as humans. That should be a given. But I've heard instances where that is not the case. We need to consider each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, brethren. We need to understand each other's sufferings, their circumstances, their afflictions, their temptations, their infirmities. We need again to think before we speak. I tell my students all the time, consider what this other person may be going through. But as Christians, we need to be there to build them up, to encourage them, to edify them. But do we do it? Again, talking about building up one another with love, Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 1. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in a bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Love. The foundation of the body itself. Ephesians chapter 4 and verses 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, for whom the whole body is joined together and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causing growth of the body and for edifying of itself. All that starts with love. But do we do it? Well, who is to build up? Who is to build up? And I will tell you that every single one of us has a responsibility. Elders, overseers, shepherds, they need to take heed, they need to feed, and they need to be examples. We see that in Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, 1 Peter chapter 5, there in the first three verses. Evangelists and preachers need to preach urgently. They need to rebuke, reprove, exhort, teach, remind. We see that in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, again in verse 5, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, and then again in the same chapter in verses 11 through 16. 
teachers in James chapter 3 and verse 1, 1 Corinthians 12 and 28, Romans 12 and verse 7, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 10, we are to teach carefully as the oracles of God. Who else is to build up? We're to build up one another. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12, Titus 2, 6 and 7, Romans 14, 19 through 21, Romans 15 verses 1 and 2 again in verse 14, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14, 1 Corinthians chapter 5 verses 4 through 8. We need to be an example by word, by life, by faith, by purity, by good works, by doctrine. The strong helping the weak. We need to admonish. We need to warn. We need to counsel, counsel each other. We need to rebuke and we need to purge impurity. Do we do these things? Do we? We all have a responsibility and we have a responsibility in so many ways. We oftentimes let opportunities that are right in front of us pass us by. Why? Do we just not think about it? Do we choose to ignore it? Are we that oblivious? Or do we not just want to take the time or the little bit of effort in what it may, may be? We are all called to build up one another and we are, be, we are to be devoted to it. It's just not when I feel like it, but all the time. We've seen this evening that these are commands. Are we devoted to it? Do we think about it? Do we seek ways? Do we go after ways to build up one another? We will all benefit from it. We'll leave you with three passages. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11, therefore encourage one another, build up one another just as you also are doing. Do we do it? Do we do it according to Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13? Do we do it daily? Do we? I've fallen short. I've got to do better. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Let us be better about building up one another. If we love one another as God commands, everything else will fall into place.
but we've got to love one another as we ought. All this building up, all this encouragement, all the things that we've talked about this evening start with loving each other and loving God's Word and doing it. The lesson is yours. Where do you stand? Can you do better? I can. And if you look at yourself in the mirror, I imagine you will say, I can do better as well. And if we're all working together to build each one of us up, no one, not even Satan himself, can tear us down. But we've got to follow God's plan. Thank you for your patience this evening. Hopefully something has been said that encourages you, that builds you up, that encourages you to be a better Christian. And if you're not living as you ought to live, we are here for you. We'll encourage you. We'll build you up. We'll help you be the Christian that you ought to be. But you've got to be honest with yourself and realize that you're falling short of the will of God. And if you're not a Christian, why wait? Today is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may be too late. If you were subject to the invitation in any way this evening, please, I beg you, come as we stand and as we sing.